Good morning once again and welcome. My name's Craig. I'm the senior pastor here and oh, it is our privilege to have you with us this morning. Uh, one of the challenges that does confront a church that's growing as ours is, is that it's difficult to know everybody. And so even as uh, you've heard Adam mention the McCall family, I know that for many of you, you, you probably not even had an opportunity to meet them. They've been uh, visiting with us for a number of months now, but do appreciate your prayers for this family as they go through an incredible struggle. Um, one of the reasons that uh, we do our Thanksgiving dinner each year is because it's difficult to get to know folks very well, uh, among other reasons. So um, tonight is our annual Thanksgiving dinner. I didn't announce it last Sunday because I failed miserably, so that's on me. Uh, I hope that you'll be with us. Uh, there's a tent in the back so that we can put any of y'all that we don't like out there in the cold. Um, no, we have a tent so that we have plenty of room. We want to make sure we have plenty of space for you and uh, your family. Invite a friend to come. Uh, bring something good to eat. All the meats and the dressings will be provided. So just bring a side or two and a really great dessert, and I will help you eat it. Uh, I hope that you will come and be with us tonight uh, at 6 o'clock for our Thanksgiving dinner. There is one thing that we need from you, though. I need you to help us get some tables and chairs set up as soon as this is over. So if you're able-bodied, I'm looking over here especially. Don't turn your head. Thank you. Uh, if you are able-bodied, and I'm looking out there at many of you as well, if you'll give us about 10 minutes to get some chairs and tables set up in the back, that really helps a whole lot, especially getting them out outside. Um, that just a little bit of a burden. So if you could give us a few minutes as soon as church is over, I won't think bad of you if you don't greet me at the back door. If you'll just go that way uh, and do the other stuff. So please give us a hand as we get things set up for tonight. Uh, the other thing that I need to mention, I don't do many announcements, but next Sunday afternoon, this information was in life group boxes and came to life group leaders. Next Sunday afternoon, we're going to be doing a church-wide outreach um, I should have brought the book and go grab me one of those out of the uh, out of the right there in the copy room. Uh, we're we're going to so Adam's already divided up for for life groups some assignments and what we're going to ask our life groups to do is to break up uh, together, break up together. That makes absolutely no sense. Uh, break out into your groups. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, and uh, go and canvas our community and we will give you. Specific things to say. Some of you get a little uncomfortable. Some of you are really good at talking, so no big deal. But we'll give you a very specific thing. Basically, we want to knock on a door. We want to ask somebody if we can pray for them. We want to invite them to be part of our church. Lord willing, we'll have a chance to share the gospel with them. We might not, but at the very least, we want them to know that we're here. And then we're going to give them all. Uh, we're going to give out copies of this book that I've written and we've just published. You guys will also get one next Sunday for each family. We're going to give these out in the community. Our, our hope is that this is just a wonderful opportunity for us to invite people to celebrate the holidays with us. So we will, I will be preaching through uh, this Advent guide and, and the, the family devotions contained in here over the course of Advent, which begins on, um, what month are we in? November, thank you. November the 27th. We will also be inviting people to come and do an outdoor uh, movie night with us on Sunday night, November the 27th. So it'll be low key. We're going to show a movie here outside um, bonfire, little fire pits, not bonfire, but we'll roast marshmallows. We'll have popcorn, do all those things. And we'll share the gospel with these folks and love them in the name of Jesus. So uh, that's what we're going to be doing next Sunday afternoon. Uh, three o'clock, Adam. Is that right? Three o'clock. 
So uh, all, the, all the information is going to come out to you in email this week. Please be looking for it. Your life group boxes will be flooded with that information for next week. But really hope that you can make every effort to be a part of this. Uh, we're going to really focus on some new communities in our new neighborhoods in our community that maybe haven't been reached and those folks that are probably looking for a church home. So uh, hope that you, our, our, hope, our goal is to try and hit 300 houses uh, next Sunday afternoon. So uh, we hope that you'll be a part of that with us. Okay? Here, I'll go ahead and give you all your copy. Don't get one next Sunday. You only get one. All right. All right. If you have your Bible, we are in Acts 13. Acts 13. I apologize for all those announcements, but they really needed to be said. Acts 13. I'm going to read to you, beginning in verse 4, and we're going to read all the way through verse 12. So I'm going to ask you, if you would, to please stand with me in honor of God's word. And then I will read to you. Hear now, for this is the word of the Lord. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. And they had John to assist them. When they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they came upon a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. He was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence, who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elymas the magician, for that is the meaning of his name, opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, You son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy. Will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And now, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. Immediately, mist and darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had occurred, for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Pray with me. Father God, we pray that you would be with us this morning and teach us through this word. Father God, your word never fails. It always accomplishes that for which you intended. I pray, Lord God, that today you would accomplish those things. Make us more like you. God, give, give us the desire and power to lean upon your spirit and to find power in the spirit. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you. How should we confront evil? How should we confront evil? I think that's a question that that we wrestle with relatively regularly. What, what do we do with evil in the world? We, we have multiple different kinds of evil. There's natural evil, right? We, we're wrestling with that this morning, having somebody who's been a part of our church that, that died unexpectedly in a car accident. It's natural evil. We see the natural evil that comes through something like a hurricane uh, or tornadoes. But this morning we're speaking more about moral evil, those evil acts that, that are, are perpetrated by other people. How do we confront this sort of moral evil in the world around us, especially when we have the opportunity personally. Now, when we find ourselves in this story with Paul and Barnabas, and I finally get to call him Paul and not be wrong because this is where we first go from Saul to Paul. By the way, side note, why does Paul's name change? It's not because he became saved and changed his name. Okay, We have the Romanized version of his name, and the Romanized version of his name is Paul. Okay, it's okay if you came to Jesus and want to change your name, that's fine, right? That's all right, whatever makes you happy. But uh, it's probably more like you have a, a name at home and then maybe you, 
Uh, some of you ever go to work and maybe they call you by a different name. Your mama called you by your middle name or something and you went to work and they started calling you something else. It'd be something closer to that than they changed his name. This is just the Romanized version of his name. So Paul and Barnabas have their very first missionary journey. Now if you'll remember, we were just back looking at this and, and sort of the kickoff to their missionary journey just last week. The, the Holy Spirit said, set them aside and they took off. Now they took off straight away. And they left Antioch. They went down to the port. So when we, we say that they went uh, by the Holy Spirit down to Seleucia, Seleucia is just the port city of Antioch. They just run right, right to the sea. How quick can we get out of town? They jump on a ship and they sail straight to Cyprus. And the Bible says that they went, uh, if you look right there with me, when they got there, went to Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. And then they went uh, with John, that's John Mark, to assist them. And they went all the way through the whole island as far as Paphos. If you look at a map, what you'll find out is that Salamis and Paphos are on opposite sides of this island. So Paul and Barnabas and John Mark are working their magic all the way across. That's probably in the context of this passage, a terrible phrase to use. Uh, they're, they're, they're working in the gospel from one end of the island to the other. Now, this is an important city with a large Jewish population. It says that they had synagogues. Did you notice that? There wasn't just one. There was a large enough population of Jewish people in these places that there were multiple synagogues for them to use. And so Paul and Barnabas do what Paul is going to do for the rest of his ministry. Peter did similar things. They're going to start in the synagogues. And then over time, after they've, they've preached in the synagogues, they go to the Jews first. He said this in Romans chapter 1. And then... What inevitably happens, most of the Jews refuse to hear and they begin to spread out into other places. So they go into the synagogues, they begin proclaiming the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in, um, in time, they're going to encounter some really crazy opposition. Did I mention this was their first missionary journey? Did I mention they didn't go far? And when they got there, the first thing they run into is this guy named Bar-Jesus. What does Bar mean? That means son of He's the son of Jesus. That's what he claims to be. Now, is this the Jesus or a Jesus? We don't know, but we know that this is a man who claims to be something special. And he's found the ear of, the, of, a, of a governmental leader, of a proconsul there. And he's become something of a spiritual advisor to the leadership. Now, this wouldn't be that uncommon in the ancient world for there to be something that would look like a priest in the court of leaders. And that's kind of what we have happening here. We've got this guy that's functioning in some sort of way as sort of a pagan sort of priest. Um, so he was a Jewish false prophet, right? We got false prophets in all sorts of areas. It, it wasn't like we waited until the United States came along and we raised up a couple of prosperity preachers to be the first false prophets. They're kind of all over the place. This guy's of Jewish descent. He claims to be something special and he's speaking lies. And he's whispering them into the ear of the proconsul, who the Bible says is a pretty smart guy, but somehow or other he's fallen under the sway of this, this um, magician, this false prophet. Did I mention it was their first missionary journey? I hope I did, and I hope I said it multiple times. I hope that clicked with you. Because they didn't get very far before they ran into all sorts of problems. As we consider this passage of Scripture this morning... And how we should confront evil. I want you to know two things. First, I want you to know when you seek to do great things for God, you will encounter opposition. When you seek to do great things for God, you will encounter opposition. Now listen, that opposition does not mean that you should turn around and go home. Right? Right? Just because somebody doesn't want to hear what you have to say doesn't mean that what you have to say is wrong. It doesn't mean you should turn around and leave, right? Sometimes we just have to move past. We plow around that stump, don't we? We got to keep moving forward. 
So the first thing is that when you seek to do great things for God, you'll encounter opposition. The second thing I want you to see or hear is this. God will see you through the tasks he has called you to complete. God will see you through the tasks he has called you to complete. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 54. I cheated. I have my bookmark there. I want to begin reading to you from verse 16. The Bible says, Behold, I have created the smith who blows the fire of coals and produces a weapon for its purpose. I've also created the ravager to destroy. And then watch this. No weapon that is fashioned against you shall succeed. And you shall refute every tongue that rises against you in judgment. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their vindication is from me, declares the Lord. God says, I'm in control of all things. And those who would seek to oppose my children, newsflash, I'm in control of those as well. Folks, we need not worry if we are working in accordance with the will of the Lord. Everything that God intends to accomplish will be accomplished because God so desires. We can walk in confidence. So when God said, Paul and Barnabas, get, go, do your work. They could walk out in confidence knowing that the Lord was with them and that regardless of what may come against them from bar Jesus or anybody else, they could be confident that the God who fought for all of those others before them was the God who would fight for them today. Y'all, don't be surprised when you commit your life to Jesus if things don't get really hard really quickly. Don't be surprised if you decide that you're going to take a step of faith. Last week we talked about that, didn't we? We talked about how important it is for you to take that first step and to trust the Lord. Don't be surprised if when you step out there, all of a sudden you're confronted with the craziest, most uh, unexpected struggles and opposition you ever anticipated. Bar Jesus shows up and he's trying to oppose and you're going, who is a bar Jesus and why are you here? We didn't come to deal with all this. It's wild how those things work. The devil opposes the work of the Lord. I encourage you to be serious about following the Lord, but I want you to be prepared. There's a strong possibility that when you step out in faith and you seek to follow the Lord with your whole heart, that all the forces of of evil will oppose you. But God will see you through the task he's called you to complete. So this morning, how do we confront evil with those things in mind? First, this morning, we need to live in the Spirit. We need to live in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit sent Saul slash Paul and Barnabas. Now, how could they know the Holy Spirit's direction? Has that ever occurred to you? Have you ever thought about that? They, they could know it because they lived in the power of the Holy Spirit. Remember, being in tune with the Holy Spirit is not some sort of magic. It comes through the ordinary parts, the ordinary aspects, the ordinary disciplines of ordinary, everyday Christian life. Being in tune with the Holy Spirit of God comes about as a result of our regular commitment to worship with the people of God. Being in tune with the Holy Spirit comes about as a result of our regular effort to be involved and engaged in the Word of God. To be praying to the Father God. All of these things, fasting and journaling and and learning and growing and reading, all of these things bring us in tune with the Spirit of God of God. We talked about this last week. How do you find God's will? 
Do you know that you don't have to do anything crazy? You do the very normal things of life. And even when you don't feel like it, even when you don't feel like doing the normal things, even when it's hard to do the normal things, keep doing them anyway. Why? Because strength for the hard times is built in the easy times. Strength for the hard times is built in the easy times. Y'all, y'all have no idea how long I labored over that one sentence. And it's still not a great sentence. One of y'all can say it better than I just did. But the truth of it is still wrapped up in it. You can't anchor your tent in the middle of the storm. You're going to become the person you need to be to do the things that God's called you to do in the easy times of life. Do you choose to do the hard things of your own accord? Some, I don't know, a year or two ago, Adam came across a quote. I've stolen it. I don't know where he stole it from, but I don't remember. But he said, I, I want the hardest thing I do every day to be something I do to myself. I like that, you know? That's not going to work out every day. But part, part of, of, of growing myself is I want to be the kind of disciplined person that I do something hard to myself every day to help me to face the difficult challenge. Now, now sometimes that's something physical, right? I, my, my children don't understand why I abuse my body the way I do. I think I've shared this with you all a while back. I, I had to explain to them that I'm running from old age. By the time you cross... 40, I do the things I do. It's not anymore because I need to look good for anybody, right? I'm just trying to not be old as long as I can not be old. And when you get to that point, it gets harder to not be old. And so I, 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 I'm just constantly just beating my body and abusing myself. I, I, I worked out Friday and I honest and truly, I walked in the house. I thought, why in the world do I do this to myself? I didn't walk in. Y'all ever walk in like this? You just, you just limp back in, you know? And uh, the kids are like, "Why do you? What, what is wrong with you?" I'm old. That's what's wrong with me. It's not as easy as it used to be. It's difficult. It's challenging. Now, there, there's this 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 accountability that comes in spiritually when I'm involved with other people. But it's it's not just spiritually, right? We can learn something about accountability when it comes to this fitness stuff. Several years ago, a friend of mine here in the church and I, and I don't even remember how it started, but. But we decided that we were going to uh, trade some barbs back and forth related to our deadlifts. And we got pretty strong. Um, I almost killed myself uh, because he's, I guess, better than me. But but we kept every week sending videos back and forth. And every week the challenge got a little bit more and a little bit more. And every week I was terrified I was going to throw a disc. It was just going to explode right out of my shirt and everything was going to get bad. That was supposed to be funny, but none of y'all laughed. But, but, you know, here's the reality. I, I wouldn't have kept doing that, in all honesty, if he hadn't kept sending me a video or a text or a reminder. And he's told me since. He said, hey, that's the thing that kept me moving forward. There was a little bit of accountability, a little bit of challenge involved. A few years ago, and I did it for a few years, I, I did this, this workout where I, worked, I, I squatted every, I squatted five days a week in the month of October. And, and for those of you who don't work out and don't lift weights, you don't appreciate that that's horrible. Everything about it's wrong, right? I really would prefer not to squat, but about four times in the whole month of October. Instead, I squatted 20 times in the month of October. Gained all sorts of weight, okay, because I'm hungry all the time. All you want to do is eat when you're working out all that time. But I, I didn't have time. October's nuts. I don't have time in the evenings. I hate working out in the mornings with a passion. The only thing that got me out of bed and got me doing that were the friends that were doing it with me and the text messages I was getting that said, are you up? And I wanted to respond back with, no, I hope you die, leave me alone. 
But I didn't. I didn't because I really didn't want him to die. Right. Uh, but but that's 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 the way that I, that I sort of got through it. And then there were a few others. There's a couple of people in the church that were doing that with me at the time. And we complained and gri- Do you know that in our griping and moaning and sort of leaning on each other like against a wall like this, we found a camaraderie. We found an accountability. We found support and strength. Folks, living in the spirit today. Oh, oh, hold on before we get there. I. I work out when I'm healthy so that I can be stronger when things are hard. You understand? Like, like when I'm in a bad place, I can't do all of those things. I had a kid, one of my students, 20 years ago that, was, that ran his car off a bridge, turned it over upside down, landed on some railroad tracks. Thank God there wasn't a train. They pulled him out of that car, and they just couldn't believe that he walked after the event, the doctors and the paramedics afterward said the only thing that saved him was he was a strong man with a strong back. And without that, there was just no hope. So there's no other explanation for why in the world he should have walked away. He had done things beforehand that prepared him to walk away from that wreck. Y'all listen to me. Do you want to confront evil in the world around you? There are things that you've got to be doing when, they, when, when the days are good to prepare you for the time when the days are hard. And that means growing, living, like, like just abiding in the Spirit of God. Live in the Spirit today to prepare you for the hard days ahead. And listen, you want to know why in the world am I talking about all that accountability? All those weird workout routines because... One of the things that will help you to be more in tune with and engaged with the Spirit of God is the accountability that comes from regular engagement with the people of God in a local church fellowship. You need those people who are looking at you and saying, have you been in the Word? Are you praying? What's your spiritual life look like? You need somebody that will look at you and ask you the hard questions in the good days and the bad days. Somebody will help you to get where you need to be. Y'all, how can you confront evil? First, live in the Spirit and remember that you don't, do, you don't live in the Spirit with these gargantuous things. You live in the Spirit by doing the little things over and over and over again, even when you don't want to. Live in the Spirit. The second thing this morning, obey God's Word. So simple it's hard, right? Now, for us to get the passage of Scripture that this relates to, we actually have to jump back up. To Acts 13, 3. So jump back up there with me. The Bible says there that as they were worshiping, I'm sorry, verse 2, as they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Did you notice that? The Holy Spirit, that is God Himself, said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul. Do you want to confront evil in your everyday life and in the world around you? Live in the Spirit and then commit to obeying the Word of God. Commit to obeying the Word of God. God said, set them apart. Do you know what that meant? That meant for Saul and Barnabas to live in obedience, that they had to put whatever their plans were for their life on the back burner because God had called them to something else. God had called them to something else. Whatever Paul and Barnabas desired, God had a different plan. Listen, God's first desire is for our obedience. We want to give him something else. We do, don't we? We we want to give him sacrifices. We want to give him all these other things. 
Saul wanted to do that, King Saul. Well, I, I didn't obey, but I'm giving God all these other things. Turns out that his obedience was the best thing he could have given. Samuel says, he, he said, I desire obedience and not sacrifice. Oh, some of you want to show up on Sunday morning and, you know, love Jesus on Sunday and live more like bar Jesus the rest of the week. The problem is that he's looking for your obedience. You say, Craig, I, I don't want to, how, how do I get there? Well, well, first we obey by giving our life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? By accepting the gospel that Jesus Christ died for our sins. We obey by repenting of our sin, by acknowledging, admitting that we're sinners in desperate need of a Savior and that Jesus Christ alone can save us. Having given our life to Jesus, we then seek to live our lives in accordance with His expectations. We're not trying to earn His love. He already loves us. He's just told us exactly how it is that we should live. That's the awesome thing about grace. You don't have a child and you look at them and go, well, if you'll do these things, I'll love you. No, 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 they're mine. You, know, you belong to me. We have the same last name. I love you forever and always. Nothing ever changes. But in this family, this is who we are and how we live. And if you want to show me your desire, your conformity to this family, then you live in accordance with these expectations. God has given us his rules that we might obey, not to earn His love, but to be conformed into His likeness. And y'all, do you know we can actually summarize it pretty easily? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbors yourself. Go and make disciples of all nations. If you'll focus on those three things, everything else kind of falls out underneath. Jesus was asked, how is it that I might, or Jesus, how would you rank these, these commandments? And He says, I don't need to rank them. I can capture it all in two. If you love God with all you got, love your neighbor as yourself, everything else is going to work out. And then he said, oh, while I'm leaving to go away from you, remember this. Go and make other people just like you. Go make disciples of all nations. Listen to me, folks. If you'll do that, you'll find yourself ready and prepared to confront evil in the world around you. I, I, I discover a whole lot of people that don't really live for Jesus, but then they get all up in arms when they see something in the news or at school or something like that that seems to, to run contrary to maybe normal Judeo-Christian values. Folks, if you've not been living in the Spirit and walking in accordance with the Word of God, you're not prepared to face evil in the world around you. We can't confront evil with evil. And I'm going off script right here. We're going to do this real quick. Hold on. It's going to be fun. We can't confront evil with evil. The ends do not justify the means in Christian ethics. What does that mean? That means that just because you might get what you want does not mean that you can then act any way you want to get it. In other words, we can't go through hell to get to heaven. This is the mean part of the sermon. I'm going to take a risk because I didn't write this down. They always get worried when I do this. Take a deep breath. It's going to be okay. Politically, too many evangelicals have decided that they could fight like hell in politics under the guise that they're arguing for the kingdom of heaven. This book does not allow us to live our lives this way. 
And when you choose to allow anything other than this book to direct your life, you are no, you are no longer confronting evil. You are merely replacing one form of evil with one that feels more comfortable to you. Be careful that we do not make idols out of our desires at the expense of being committed to the Word of God, living in accordance with the Holy Spirit of God, and living lives that are conformed to holiness. We have to obey God's Word. I, I don't know if you know this, but you can't expect to live your life apart from God and then sort of turn it on when the right moment arrives. Do y'all remember a guy named Samson? He kind of thought he could do this. You know what's awesome and terrible all at the same time is it worked out for him for just a little while. See, some of you don't listen to what I have to say because for a little while everything's worked out all right for you. Well, you say that, Craig, but I've been living just way this, fine, this long just fine. Everything's turned out okay. The day will come when you go too far and you're going to wake up from your sin, ready to engage with the evil around you, and you're going to discover that you've been trapped by your sin and you can't get out. Y'all, obey God's word. I'm, I'm not always sure if when I say that, if I should say it, with pleading and trembling or sort of with direction and confidence. All of it wells up inside of me and I want to get it all out at one time. Because I want you to know that in His Word is joy and happiness and life and freedom. But outside of His Word is bondage and destruction. Do you want to confront evil in the world around you? Live according to the Spirit of God and obey God's Word. And for goodness sakes, stop creating some sort of false religion that says that you can fight for Jesus without actually living for Jesus. It doesn't work. He doesn't need you to fight for Him. He doesn't need you to fight for Him. He doesn't need me to fight for Him. And if He did, He's not worthy of praise and worship. So if you're so convinced that you got to fight Jesus' battles, it's possible that you stopped worshiping Him and you're worshiping yourself because the God that I worship does not need me. And if He needs you, you don't view Him as the Word of God. Shows him to be high and lifted up, mighty and strong. When Jesus walks in, people don't oppose him. I don't know if you've read the book of Revelation. It's a little bit scary. Which leads us to our final point this morning. We confront evil with the power of God. What did Paul say? He said, the hand of the Lord is upon you. Paul didn't say, bring it, let's go. I'm tired of listening to your mouth, bar Jesus, and reach up and slap him. It'd been funny, right? But that's not what happened at all. Folks, listen to me. Be willing to allow God to fight for you. Be willing to allow God to fight for you. 
Part of allowing God to fight for you is by living your life according to His Word and using God's words as much as possible. In other words, when we find those who are opposing the things of the Lord, we want to frame it with God's words and not my words. I, I had a conversation with our staff not too long ago about something, and, uh, and their, their question to me was, I said, I don't really like this. And their question to me was, okay, what does God's word say about it? I said, well, see, that's the problem. I don't like it, but, but I, I'm, not, I'm not sure how to frame this particular situation. And the question just comes all the way back around to, okay, but what does God's word say? Now, that should inform the way that we care for others, right? I shouldn't have expectations on people and superimposed upon them that God's word doesn't have. So there's part of that. There's this other thing, though, that when I find myself confronting evil, especially confronting a person who is opposing the things of the Lord, I should work diligently to use God's words, God's language, and not Craig's language. When it's all said and done, the truth of the matter is, I don't know that much anyway. And whatever I know isn't worth all that much. You understand? But what the Lord has to say, His words will never fade away. His word is forever. It is heavy and strong and mighty. So when Paul looks at this magician, he says, The Lord rebuke you. The Lord deal with you. He says, he says what? He looks at him and he says, the hand of the Lord is upon you. Now generally, occasionally, I get somebody say that about my preaching and it makes me feel really good. I can see God's hand all over you. Okay? If you don't, don't lie about it. But if you do, just tell me. It really helps my head to swell. Um, which is exactly what it shouldn't do, right? Kidding. But in this particular case, when Paul says the hand of the Lord is upon you, this is more like the smackdown of the Lord is upon you. This isn't like God is behind you, pushing you, lifting you up. This is more like, uh, listen, buddy, I don't know if you know this. I can't really handle you. Remember, we, we believe that Paul was sort of blind of some sort, you know, had some vision issues. It, it, we, we read like the Galatians and other things. People weren't really afraid to confront Paul. There was something about him that probably wasn't super intimidating. Nobody was really afraid of Paul. Probably like Paul standing here in front of this powerful government official and his trusted spiritual advisor. And he looks up and Paul says, oh, I can't do anything about this, but the hand of the Lord is upon you. Can you imagine it there for a minute? Maybe this false prophet goes, oh, really? I had no idea. And then Paul finishes the statement, you're going to be blind because you're living in sin. But he doesn't stop there. He says, you are an enemy of all righteousness. You are a son of the devil. You go, how dare he use such horrid language? I want to remind you of John 8, 44. Jesus confronted some religious leaders and he says this. You are of your father the devil and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him when he lies he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Do you understand that when Paul sought to confront this evil false prophet, 
He did so in the power of the Lord and with the word of the Lord. He used Jesus' words. Now listen, I'm not encouraging you to run around calling everybody you meet a son of the devil. You're not going to get lots of friends that way. But let me tell you this. When we have those people who are blatantly opposing and seeking to distort the word of the Lord, they are acting as Satan. Jesus looked at Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. Why? Because you oppose the things of the Lord. Your desires are not right. In the particular situation, we got this magician who's doing two things that are way wrong. Number one, he's a liar. How do we know that? Because he's a false prophet. He claims to be, things, claims to be something that he's not. He's probably claiming the word, to speak the word of the Lord when he had no access to it. So he's a liar, which makes him of his father, the devil, because Satan is the father of lies. The second thing that he's doing is he is opposing the things of the Lord. This is kind of what Peter was doing unwittingly, right? Paul uses God's word in this particular situation, the power of God, to handle this, 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 this enemy. Y'all, if you want to oppose evil, confront evil in the world around you, do it in the power of the Spirit of God. Do it in obedience to the word of God and confront evil with the power of God. Why do we think God needs us? Because we don't rightly understand who He is. He's called us to do some very particular things. To go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. To love Him and to love others. There will be times when we are called upon to give a defense, as the Bible says, for the belief that we have within us. But let's be careful in lying to ourselves in the belief that somehow or other it's my job to defend God. I merely talk about the hope that I have and I can trust that God is strong enough to defend himself. Using the very tools that he's given me. If you run to Ephesians chapter 6, what are you told? The only offensive weapon that we have as God's people is the word of God. To use anything else is to depend on my strength rather than God's strength. So where does that leave us this morning? How should we confront evil? Well, we confront evil by living in the Spirit. Every day. Seeking to live according to God's word and God's expectations. Being in the places where we want to be. We, we, we seek to confront evil by obeying, obeying God's word because he desires that first and foremost. Don't miss that. Don't believe that somehow or other you've got these responsibilities that supersede your obedience to the word of God. The ends do not justify the means. There's a reason we don't have a keg party here and then share the gospel. And I, 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 that should make you laugh. But for some of you sitting there going, maybe we should. No, we shouldn't. And this is why, look, let me tell you something. 
If I put a sign out front that says free drinks and pizza, y'all, we'll pack this place, okay? You understand? Everybody's going to show up. But when I get them drunk and tell them about the gospel of Jesus, it's not like somehow or other getting them drunk is superseded by preaching the gospel. I don't get to do that. The ends don't justify the means in anything, ever. The means matter. So obey God's word. Confront evil with the power of God. And then finally in conclusion, confront evil every day. You say, well, Craig, I don't find evil every day. It's staring at you in the mirror every single morning. Every day is filled with confrontations with the flesh. Every day is filled with me knowing that I am at war with my sinful desires. Every day is filled with my own sinful desires to even lie to myself, right? To convince myself that I could do something other than what God expects of me. Oh, it's so easy for me to see evil in the world around me. But the most terrifying evil each one of us face is the evil that stares out of the mirror every single day. How should you confront evil? It's so easy, it's hard. Because it comes in the ordinary, everyday aspects of your life. Ordinary, everyday obedience. We love cleaning house in my family. Not true. That's a huge lie. It's a huge lie. I mean, everybody. I, I, I mean, I, like, right? I, I, I don't enjoy picking my socks up out of the floor. I mean, I'm just going to be honest. If, if I had my way, I, I need like a little elf that just runs around and grabs all the things. But I was, I was explaining this to, uh, to one of my kids the other day. I said, I, I don't really enjoy putting my things away. I hope Angela's not in here judging me. I think she's in the back, and I'm really hoping this is true. I don't really enjoy putting my things away. I don't, right? But it turns out that if, if every day I'll spend about 45 seconds, you know, putting my clothes in the hamper, or hanging my jackets up or whatever. It turns out that a, that a little bit here and a little bit there, that, that sort of daily obedience, if you will, adds up to me not then having a house that's in absolute total disarray. It, it adds up to me not losing things, right? Some of y'all lose your keys all the time because you don't put them in the same place every day. Some of y'all lose your wallets because you refuse to take them out of your pants and your wife washes them. I've heard about that. I don't know if it's true. See, you don't confront the, the evil of a disordered house daily. And as a result, you show up on Saturday evening and the whole house looks like it, a bomb went off. You say, what in the world happened? Well, you know what happened. You didn't spend three minutes here and five minutes there to get it all done. Some of y'all look at your spiritual life and, and, and you, you discover that evil has run rampant. Right? 
in your family, in your personal life. You discover that the evil's closed in around you, and, and it's just there's crazy spiritual disorder everywhere you look. And folks, the reality is it, it didn't get there overnight. It gets there when you don't do the daily spiritual house cleaning things in your own life. Staying in tune with the Spirit of God. Obeying the Word of God. And then trusting the Lord to go ahead of you and fight your battles for you. You see, the reality is you're not confronting evil in the big ways because you forgot to confront evil in your life every single day. Pretty, pretty amazing what happened in this story of Paul and Barnabas, isn't it? This guy goes blind. Paul says, the Lord's going to deal with you. Boom. Man's blind. The Bible says the proconsul believed. Wow. And we all look at the, the miracle. The miraculous. But folks, there was no miraculous without the daily normalcy. Of living in the Spirit and obeying the Word of God and trusting the Lord to go ahead of Imagine what would have happened if Paul and Barnabas had gotten saved. So, you know what? We're just not going to listen to the Word of God anymore. You know what? We're not going to live in the Spirit. Or even if they made it to that last moment and they found themselves face to face with Bar Jesus. And he looks and he goes, these guys aren't worth your time. And Paul just loses his mind and he just decks him right in the face. You see, any one of those little things would have gotten in the way of the most important thing, which was the proconsul coming to Christ. We all see the big thing, but y'all, it's just the cherry on top. It was built on a foundation of little things over and over and over again, confronting evil in their daily lives and living lives of holiness. If you're here with us today, would you commit to confronting evil daily? Would you commit to doing the little things that are going to add up to the big things? To seeking to live in the Spirit every day? To be obedient to the Word of God even when it hurts? And to allow God to fight your battles? Perhaps you're here today and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. I want to invite you to come today and to meet Jesus. He died on a cross to save you from your sins. And if you don't know him, as we stand and sing today, I would love to help you to find a relationship with a God who has already fought for you and desires to have a relationship with you. Stand with me this morning as I pray. Father God in heaven, I thank you for loving us and thank you for the word. I pray, Lord God, that we would live in accordance with your spirit in obedience to the word. And that, Father God, we would trust you to fight our battles. Pray these things in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Sing with us.